The 2017 race season is underway and Dirty Mo Radio's race recap shows have you covered. Don't miss a single episode of Junior Motorsports Upfront with Justin Allgaier as he gives exclusive insight immediately after climbing out of the car. You can find Upfront on DaleJr.com and all major podcast outlets thanks to Exalta. This is Dale Jr. and you're listening to Dirty Mo Radio. Junior goes to the lead at Daytona. Dale Earnhardt Jr. will lay claim to his first NASCAR Winston Cup victory. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has won the Daytona 500. Hey everybody, it's Dale Hart Jr. for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download on Dirty Mo Radio. As usual is my co-host Tyler Overstreet. What's up? Tyler also produces the show, uh, so he's a busy man. He'll be editing this later for your pleasure. Anyways, uh, we're excited about uh, another podcast. It's been a lot of fun over the last couple weeks doing our podcast. We're getting in a groove. Uh, we'll be doing our uh, Periscope podcast. Uh, Ask Junior questions later. We're going to talk about Atlanta. We're going to talk about repaving or not repaving. We're going to talk about Vegas. Uh, We'll talk about riding bikes with Jimmy Johnson, who has the most punchable face in NASCAR. We'll get to that later. Also, uh, NASCAR, considering making the cars quieter. We'll talk about that as well, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. So we're going to go ahead and get on to uh, Atlanta. This is not a fun uh, conversation, or I don't anticipate it being much fun since we finished 30th, five laps down. Yeah. It was a long day. Uh, In stage one, uh, as you know, the races are now in stages. So in stage one, we were caught speeding on pit road under green. We had a pass-through penalty. Uh, We also had a right rear tire uh, go flat. Which that was weird because during the race, I made notes of what you were saying on the radio. And you were more concerned about the right front. A lot of guys were seeing some issues with right front wear. Uh, The way the car was driving and handling, I wasn't worried about wearing the right rear tire out. But I came around turn one and two. I slid the car sideways, which, you know, happens from time to time. And it began, uh, it's kind of like a sweater. Um, If you, you know, pick a thread and you can un- Undo the entire shirt, right? You, yeah. see, you know the the, and so then it just sits there slapping up under the car. Well, it just t- unwinds like a thread, right? And the tire goes flat. So <clears throat> we had that problem. We've had it before. We've had it at, uh, and it usually happens at Texas or Atlanta. Those really rough, worn surfaces can 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 really make that happen. We also had that happen at uh, Kansas, leading the race in 2015, I believe, in the chase. Oh, 14. 14. You were kick, yeah, you were kicking their ass and well, blew that tire. Yep, that happened as well, and, and the tire started unwinding, entering three, and blew out coming off turn four. So that's happened. Uh, you know, it's just happened. So I don't know. I mean, it happens to everybody. So. Yeah, I don't know what we can do about it. Anyways, uh, the speeding on pit road was funny because uh, I was – we usually uh, – I go off – we don't have a speedometer in the car, so I go off of these lights on the dash. And as I'm coming up to what we believe pit road speed is – my la- my dashes uh, lights will go green. I'll get one green, two green, three green, four green. Four greens are really safe. Then there'll be two yellow lights. One yellow is getting a little close to speed limit. Two yellow is right 
underneath the speed limit. One red light is over. So I never saw any red lights. I was on two yellows the entire time, but we were busted in about four or five segments. So we thought, okay, well, we got to bring it down. We're going to just run four greens. Anyways, it's very uh, interesting that 13 total speeding penalties were handed out. And this this is the first time that they've gone. You guys have raced Atlanta since they kind of shortened up the, the segments on pit road. They added new timing lines, so they doubled or whatever the amount of timing lines on pit road. So I don't know how that changes anything because we're not doing anything different than we did in the past. But obviously, it's uh, right. It's caused some problems for everybody in the field because TJ was on the plane. And I mean, when you have a day like that, you can't help but just be like, what? I mean. There's nothing you can do whenever it's like bad luck after bad luck after bad luck. And TJ was saying on the NASCAR radio, it was like 88 too fast in segment three, four, five, six. So it wasn't it wasn't just one segment. It was a lot of different ones. But, yeah. But, I mean, I guess the same thing happened to everybody, like you said. Yeah, Jimmy uh, was caught twice, Matt Kenseth twice, Joey Logano, Truex, Chase Elliott, Harvick. Uh so everybody's scratching their heads on that one. Does that um, is that just an easy fit? I mean, obviously, I guess it was an easy fix because you didn't have a speeding penalty the rest of the race. But does that concern you going to a Vegas where they haven't? They're added. They've added the new segments on pit road. They've the added them time. for every race, right? Right. So I'm not real concerned about it. If it happens again, we'll just have to keep working on it. And then somebody on Twitter was like, "Oh, well, you've raced for all this many years," and then. And you're going to speed on pit road. But you have one person on Twitter said that? Hey, I read the Twitter. <laughs> well, that's just one guy. Um, Clearly delusional. Yep. Anyways, uh, stage one didn't go so awesome. Got a few laps down there. Stage two, the car was a little bit better. Uh, still working on rolling the center better, getting a little more front grip in the car. Uh, at one particular time, we tried to stay out a little bit longer. Guys were short pitting in those first two segments, trying to split the segments in half, really. So we tried to stay out a little bit longer and catch a caution to regain one of our lost laps. No caution came out. We actually lost a lap, uh, an additional lap during that pit cycle because we stayed out trying to take that gamble. Uh, the car, uh, you know, we fought a lot of balance issues all day long. The car would be incredibly loose, uh, swinging back and forth between loose and tight. We made a lot of adjustments with the wedge, putting wedge in, taking wedge out. We moved the track bar all over the place from inch, three inches down uh, to an inch up, so four inches of of swing in the track bar throughout the race. Uh, we we did some good things that actually helped the car, but um, never really got it exactly the way we wanted it. But I don't think anybody's car, even the guy leading the race, loved the way his car drove. Uh, just some some are faster than others. But I think everybody battles some balance issues on such a slick racetrack with a new low downforce package. So it's a lot of fun to drive, uh, even though we didn't have such a great day. Right, I was wondering about that part because you were maybe two laps down, and then you're like, "Oh, but I'm having fun out here." Yeah, it was a good time. I love driving. I know, but yeah, it's not. It's not. You don't like get discouraged. Like it's not only fun if you're leading. It's uh, fun all the time. Okay, yeah. I've never drove so. Well, it's fun. Okay. Yeah. So even if you're running thirtieth, still a good time. Yeah. Uh. Stage three, early in the stage, we reported that uh, we had uh, either tires unwinding again or we had a loose wheel. You know, the one thing about that is, so as a driver, uh, 
you don't just uh, assume that the wheel's loose because the the pit crew does not, you know, you you don't want to say you have a loose wheel of the radio because it's it's tough on the guys. Yeah. Because the fans hear it. They assume the wheel's loose because the driver said it. But maybe the wheel isn't loose. You and come they're down ready to crucify the pit crew. Yeah, the, the the fans can can get on the pit crew. Those guys don't deserve that. So you a lot of times reserve or hold back saying that the wheel's loose and just wait till you get to pit road. Say, look, I got a problem. Vibration. That's it. Just say vibration. Uh, so I try not. Uh, I, I thought I was hoping that we had a, a tire coming apart or a chunk out of a tire or something that was causing that vibration. We pitted to fix it. The issue didn't go away. We come down pit road again. We added spacer to the wheel. Once we understood after the first tire change, after the first change of tires after the vibration, they could see the, the wheel was beat up, so the wheel is loose. So they can address that by adding wheel spacer. Uh, if I go back out and it's still shaking, that means that the first tire that was loose beat the studs up, tore the threads up on the wheel, so when you put another tire on it and tighten that down onto those torn up threads, it will not tighten perfectly so that wheel will be loose as well so what you need to do is come down pit road put on a wheel spacer to get the tire and wheel and the thread and the nut out onto some clean threads right so that's what we did uh it fixed the problem we had no problems after that so a couple loose wheels there but once we got it sorted out um we assumed that maybe we broke a gun yeah Uh, at one point you were on pit road and they like pulled the front gun to the back because it was messing up on the left rear. Yes. So we thought we had lost a pit gun, but uh, after the race we found out that actu- uh, we just had glue build up on the threads of the rear tires, of the rear wheels, and that, that gummed up the, uh, the, the studs to where the tires could not tighten down, the gun could not get it tight. So we had a lot of issues with that. Once we uh, got the wheel spacers on there, though, we sorted it all out. Greg and the guy, I, this, is something, this is something that I don't think has ever happened to me. As far as glue on the th- on the threads under the studs of the wheel getting making the wheels loose, but Greg and those guys are going to sort that out. Uh, we took a wave around twice to get back to four laps down at one point, but ultimately we had to pit again and fell to six laps down. We ended up five down. It's a her- hell of a day. Sorry that it was so disappointing to all the fans. It turned out we had a great crowd there though. That was, didn't you like the great great they, crowd they, we had in the grandstands? Out. Yeah, the weather all weekend was awesome. So the weather was awesome. So it was a good weekend. I love Atlanta. I hate that. It's not more popular. I, yeah, I don't understand that because it's it is a little bit of a drive from the city to get out there. About I don't think that I, I don't think that all the fans are coming from Atlanta. Well, yeah, and, but it's it's <laughs> also two hours from Talladega. I don't think the whole grandstands are full of At- Atlanta city folk. Well, I I know that. Okay, well I just was but trying that's, to. That's the big market around there. It's called the Atlanta Motor Speedway. Yeah, but even it's, in it's Hampton. in Hampton. Which but is I about believe an hour that south. people probably come from Alabama, Mississippi, maybe Florida, Panhandle. Yeah. Uh, but if you're gonna South Carolina, if you're gonna have the opportunity to go see a race at Atlanta or Talladega, where are you gonna go? Both. Well, that would be awesome. Yep. In a perfect world. It didn't have to be that perfect to go to both. But so uh, Atlanta's awesome. And leading into the weekend, the big story about Atlanta was the the repave, but then Marcus Smith over the weekend was like, here's his quote. I love all the positive comments we've gotten about the track surface. I assume from the drivers. 
We're just going to have to look into it. I'll tell you all the positive comments that we've had. It definitely causes us to relook at our plan to repay. Yeah. That's interesting because I don't. Why is that? I mean, all right, so that surprised you that he's thinking, yeah, maybe I'm going to consider not paying it? Well, yeah, because it's rare for. Why is that so hard to. I mean, if the. if So if you're thinking, man, I'm going to paint this wall orange. Yeah. And everybody comes in and goes, well, I kind of like the way it is. Wouldn't you reconsider just leaving it how it is? I would, but so in what's racing, it seems like people are like, I've made my decision, going with my decision. That's NASCAR. This is Marcus. Oh, Marcus well, is different. Kudos to Marcus for listening to the people. Yes. I think that um, – so this is the issue that I believe you – know, I've heard a lot of different rumors as to why the track needs to be repaved. But I believe that in the past, the weather hasn't been very good there. They haven't had great luck. When it does rain with these older surfaces, we see it at Texas as well with the IndyCar race there and, and so, some of the days that were there for the cup races. If it rains at these older racetracks, uh, they have those weepers that last all day, and you can't get the, you can't get it to stop. It's water coming out from underneath the track, and it's just going to keep push, pushing water out. Once you, even, once you do get it to stop, when you drive a car around it, the weight and the G-forces that the cars have that, load the track squeeze that even more water out and re and kind of restart that weeper so and does the fact that the race is in like february early march yeah i think that the date hurts as far as the weather goes i believe i saw um i forget who it was somebody posted on twitter that they ought to move the west coast swing up a week and then go to atlanta after the west coast swing give them a little better opportunity to have a later spring date uh, i don't hate it i don't either i mean what does it matter so i'll i'm but i'm marcus Smith, okay, this is Bruton's son. He's CEO of Speedway Motor Motorsports Incorporated, who owns the racetrack. Um, he is a – he's one of my favorite people in the sport. Very down-to-earth. We grew up together. We kind of knew each other since we was kids. Seen him at Charlotte Road Speedway all the time. Kelly and him hung out, became friends when they were young. So me and him sort of kind of grew up in the sport at the same time. Uh, he's obviously a big player because of uh, how many tracks they own, and, yeah. and they have quite a bit of influence in the sport. But he's really smart. He uh, he listens to the drivers. Obviously, I take his quote and his comments that you read as genuine. And uh, he's the kind of guy that'll be that'll call you and say, "Hey, I'm hearing a lot of this from the drivers. What's your input?" And I'm sure he or someone within. Uh, Speedway Motorsports contacted drivers all weekend asking them their opinion. Once they started hearing different feedback. Were you one of those drivers? Uh, sure. Okay. So um, I think it's awesome that they're, uh, you know, they're they're open to leaving it as it is. They got really fortunate this particular uh, race with great weather. And uh, maybe they think they can hold off paving it even just for a year or two, right? Eventually they're going to have to pave it. I mean, that's that's inevitable, but – Holding off for another year, maybe it doesn't hurt. We didn't. We're not having problems with the track coming apart. Right. It's not like Daytona that year where you had a pothole yeah. in the track. So. So I think it's good for them to at least consider, not repaving it because when they do repave it, it is unfortunately going to make it a difficult race to, to enjoy for a couple of years before it starts to age. Yeah. None of the repaves that I can remember, have been great races. Not for at least two or three years. Yeah, yeah. with the asphalt being so perfect, uh, there's just very little room to get outside of that initial groove that gets developed. 
uh, and the track doesn't get wide enough, so there's not great passing and racing. For it a would few be years. so fast, though. And the speed, yeah, it'd be it'd be really fast. Which faster is great in Run theory, about, but in not. theory, but no, it doesn't produce good racing. Yeah, you know. So thanks, Marcus. Well, Mar on topic of Marcus, he's also got another um, rumor come out this weekend. Oh yeah. Um, now they're saying Las Vegas could get a second date as early as next year. Um, How do you feel about that? Because I like I love Vegas. Yeah. Um, but what what's what what is it about Vegas that that you think is appealing? I know the town's the awesome. The town's awesome. But the facility's nice. The racetrack. Yeah. The facility at the track. What about the the staff? Um, the staff is okay. The media center. For folks like me who go in there to right. work is super nice. Yep. They've done all that stuff for the They've fans. they got a dang spa in the infield. Yeah. Like I've Amy, never gone in it. Well, but Amy goes it. and gets her, you know, gets a little spa action in there. So she'd like that twice a year. Yeah. I like it a lot. I think as a driver, I love, you know, the old track was great. The I love more banking anywhere. So when they increase the banking, I, I really like that. There's some pretty bad bumps getting down in turn one. But there is a second and a third groove, which makes it a lot of fun. Uh, especially in the race, you get up there on that high line in one and two and make some good time on guys down the back straightaway. Any track that develops multiple grooves in the corner is a track that I'm going to like. And so, like you say, the town's a lot of fun. We get in there maybe a day or two earlier, stay that night after the race and enjoy maybe a Monday in town. That's always a good opportunity to have some fun with your friends. Uh, and I think it's a good ticket. I think people, you know, whereas Atlanta – Maybe gets a lot of folks that are regional. Vegas might be a track that people... the destination. Yeah. Vegas is a track where people come from all 50 states, kind of like the Daytona 500, right? Right. So I think that's a great market for us. Two races there would be great. Where do you think they're going to take away a race from, or do they not? They, they just add another race and no. take away an off weekend. No, don't do that. Hey, um, you never know. We're I, down to two. <laughs> We're down to two off weekends. Ugh. Um, I would hope. Well, I don't hope. Um... Maybe the loud one of the Loudon races. Man, really? Yeah, I don't like I don't like Loudon. You don't like Loudon. Why yeah. don't you like Loudon? Um, we stay in. No offense to people up there, but I don't like. We stay in Concord, and it doesn't. The amenities. Really, yeah, it doesn't really appeal to me. Yeah, but I do love being able to go to Boston. I've gone to Boston a couple times yeah. to watch the Red Sox. Um, there's a lot of great uh, restaurants and and places to eat in up Concord? there. Yeah, just in that area. Oh, it's very. Uh, I don't know. I kind of like Loudon myself. I, I enjoy it. The racing there? The racing, the track, the area. Where would you pull a track, or where would you take away a race from then? Who owns Sonoma? Them. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not go there anymore. Yeah, <laughs> good luck. Um, um, I know that'll never happen. Everybody loves the road courses. Oh, yeah. Anyways, that's a great idea. Marcus, you want some opinions of the drivers on what track you might pull. I know you probably already know, but Marcus does anyways. I mean, Marcus probably already knows, you know, what where, what's the weak link. Yeah, there's right? one in the bluegrass state that could go away, and mm -hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset. What? Kentucky. You don't? I don't like Kentucky. Yeah. Man. So this is difficult for uh, – what do you think this means for a track like Iowa? You know, they're, they're, that's a real – that looks like a fun track. It's yeah. a short track, which I or kind of a short track. It's kind of an intermediate in between the mile and a half and short tracks. Yeah. It's like a Dover, I guess, as far as length. Um, it would need a – I've been to you, Iowa a couple times. I tested there, but I didn't really take a, take a lot of stock in what it would need to 
post race. I feel like they would need to redo the whole infield. Oh. They would have to like knock down the whole thing. They don't. Why so? There's a garage. Cause the garage is pretty small. There's oh. only one garage because they only run Xfinity there right, right now. Um, and then there's they have an infield road course, which seems like a bad idea for a short track. So yeah. that takes up a lot of. Okay. Um, but I was just wondering, you know, when when a track like that's trying to find their way onto the schedule, when they hear about you know yeah. Vegas or somewhere getting a second date, you would think that Iowa being owned by be, NASCAR would that be disappointing? Yeah, I mean, it's not a SMI can do with their races what they want. Can't I they? agree? All right, we're going to talk about something that happened over the weekend that got quite a bit of a buzz. In the holy crap, never saw it coming I in know, my lifetime. Yeah, so. Oh, I, have we talked about this on the podcast before, the workout stuff? We've talked briefly okay. about the pod, or the workout, yes. So if you listen to the past podcast, or maybe you haven't, we've, uh, Hendrick is making the drivers accountable to m- making uh, or acquiring or accomplishing a minimum workout schedule. So each week, we've got X amount of hours of cardio we have to do. We've got X amount of hours of strength. We're logging this on Strava. So that, uh, which is an app for for that. So uh, and and HMS can uh, oversee what we're doing, and then they send us a report. Uh, usually on Sunday or Monday, we get a report about what we did, didn't do, what we need to what we need to do better. There's a couple trainers involved. There's a lot of folks involved, to sort of hold us accountable. It's been pretty interesting for me. At first, I was not really excited about it, and uh, first. I'll say that Jimmy uh, Johnson has been the guy that's kind of spearheaded this because he really feels strongly about how fitness has played a role in his life, uh, not just success on the track, but just how quality of life. Yeah, yeah. he just feels better. So, um, Jimmy, you know, he does a lot of different things, but cycling is something that he really enjoys, and that is really picked up in the garage. If you were in Daytona in the bus lot every morning. My neighbor, Matt Kenseth, would wake up at 7 o'clock, start, uh, he would meet outside his bus with Jamie McMurray, they would make a lot of noise, and wake up Amy, and uh, would wait, that would wake me up, uh, they were getting ready to go on their bike ride every morning, this happened quite a bit, um, so I noticed that a lot of guys in the garage are starting to do this, Trevor Bain, uh, they're going in big groups, Riding around town, uh, Casey Kane. There's, I mean, there's a number of drivers are starting to pick up on this cycling deal. So I'm thinking, you know what? I'm gonna give it a try. Jimmy gave me a bike about a year ago. It's been sitting in my garage. Tires went flat, dry rotted. Had to get new tubes, new tires this past week. Finally, loaded the bike onto the plane, took it to Atlanta. I told Jimmy, I said, look. I'm going to meet you outside the track. Ain't no way in hell I'm going to let anybody see me ride <laughs> through the gro- through the infield wearing this biker gear, uh, spandex stuff. So, anyways, I rode outside, pulled my bike out of the back of the Tahoe. Here comes Jimmy, Alan Gusterson, J- or Casey. Uh, we all took off on a ride, and uh, 16.7 miles we rode. A lot of fun. My first ride, it's a good time. I did get flipped off in the first five minutes. That's, that seems like well, an accomplishment. Okay, so you get on this bike, and I've rode it on my property, and I was fine. <clears throat> but for whatever reason, I was super nervous, and I couldn't keep my hands from moving. Like I'm shaking. Like you shake? Yeah. You know how you shake all the time? Shake. So I'm shaking. I got a nervous shake, yes. So I'm shaking, 
and I'm all over the road. Jimmy and them are like six six inches from the shoulder, and that I'm like I can't ride that close to the shoulder. I'm all over the place, and I'm wobbling all over the damn road. And this guy goes by and flips me off. I guess I kind of ticked him off. But anyways, I was surprised at how rude drivers are on the road. To that's, that's why they have the share the road movement. Yeah, I was surprised at how how much grief that bike bike you know cyclists get on the road. But anyways, we had a great time. Obviously, I'm not up to uh, the speed that Jimmy, Casey, and Alan are, and and they kind of wrote, they kind of dialed it back for me to, to to ride with me. Uh, but we had a great time. Anyways, it's some, something it's something you're gonna start doing. Regularly. Yes, yep. yeah, I'm already I'm in talking to Jimmy about getting some more bikes so I don't have to tote one back and forth. It's a little bit a pain in the butt. Um, I'm buying more gear, getting all geared up, and ready to go. So uh, that's gonna be part of my workout regimen. It's uh it is fun, I gotta admit. I do I'm still not quite over the uh uh the self consciousness of wearing the spandex, but I don't know. I'll get there. I also ordered a Peloton bike for indoors. A what? A Peloton. I don't know what that is. Yeah. So look that up. Ordered one of them. I got some friends that have them. And um yeah, man, we're expanding our home gym, me and Amy. We're doubling our floor space at home. We've uh, we've got some stuff coming uh, from Bowflex. Bowflex, yeah. So, uh, big Bowflex fan. I like the old school stuff, but their their new their new models are really uh, really neat. Um, so we're expanding. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, believe it or not, man, I'm working out. Anyways, uh. We'll keep you updated on that. Hopefully, we don't have any bad news to report, crashing and and so forth. But I was happy to get through my first ride without any incident. In other news from Atlanta, yes. we did this interview. Every, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard of Jeff Gluck, and he does the Jeff Gluck from JeffGluck.com. Yeah, imagine that um, creative name, Jeff. Um, he also listens. You to know, he podcast. also owns a website, uh, Playoff Points. PlayoffPoints.com. Yeah. So. I asked him about that. I'm like, what's this playoffpoints.com? But he actually just uses it to host his fantasy game, fantasy racing game, I guess. Yeah. But clever, man, to to pay 15 bucks a year to get that domain name. That is very smart. NASCAR may be coming for that. They'll have to pay up. But so we did his uh, 12 questions, and per usual, he the last question, he lets you – tee up a question for whoever he's interviewing next. Right. That's the fun part about – well, the – 12 questions, the questions are always creative that Jeff has because he, he, he basically, it's kind of like he does the questions and then he asks uh, the last question, the driver gets to pose a question for the next guy getting interviewed. And if it's a funny question or, it's, or, or it gets a great response, uh, Jeff Gluck will put it into the 12 questions permanently, kind of like the specials. At the restaurant, yeah. if somebody likes it, it goes on the menu. So, we, uh, what was the one that he asked me? It oh, was about what advice would you give to your rookie self? My rookie self is a driver. That so was from uh, Garrett Smithley in the Xfinity Series. Exactly. So, we, I wanted to, I posed this question, who has the most punchable face in NASCAR? And, you know, when you're, th- when he says, hey, what do you want to ask the next driver, you think, man, I really want to put this guy on the spot, right? Yeah. It's not that I think someone has a punchable face. It's just what's really going to put this guy on the spot. So you try to come up with a question that really makes somebody nervous. 
Yeah, because oh, that's he pretty does good. One. His in podcast form, so right. now you're going to hear that guy have to fumble through this. Yeah, contemplate. So fun. So we spent the weekend like trying to figure out who we thought had has the most, the most punchable. punchable face. And did and did you come up with anybody? All right, so a punchable face, in my opinion, and I think you might have a little bit different opinion because we talked about this. A punchable face to me is just a face you look at and you want to really punch it. Like you could you like might the like person. the person, yeah. yeah. You might like the guy. So my punchable face is probably T.J. Majors. <laughs> That's true. I just I don't I I don't want to hurt T.J. I like him. One of my best friends. He was the best man at my wedding. But man, wouldn't you just like to sock that face one time? <laughs> wouldn't you? That's awesome. So um, Tyler, you you were like, hey, you know, it's Cam Newton because I, no, I I give you crap about Cam Newton all the time. Yeah, I but I like I would yeah. not want to punch Cam in the face. He doesn't have a punchable face. And he'd probably punch you back harder. He would. He's a big boy. He is. Um, but I figured out mine because I'm a huge North Carolina basketball fan, and I was watching the Carolina Duke game, and then I was like, man, that Grayson Allen kid, the kid that trips everybody, I was like, man, he has a punchable face. I'd, yes. I'd love to punch that guy in the yep. face. Anyways, uh, you know what? T- also, t- when TJ gives us crap, thinks his podcast is better than ours. Does he? I don't ever listen to theirs. That really gives says. me incentive to want to punch his face. Yeah. That's, that gives you incentive, not just everyday interaction. Not just, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll give him a pass on most things, <laughs> whereas you you maybe not. So, there was a it was a great, great, great conversation the last couple of days on Twitter and social media. I had heard about this many months ago, and I I guess I should have been anticipating with with excitement the reaction that this was going to get. But NASCAR either leaked or spoke with some media it, folk. Yeah, a source told the Sports Business Journal. NASCAR's considering making the cars quieter. So I'd heard about this last year in the Drivers' Council meeting, that they they think that um, you know some fans would ra- – some fans maybe don't come to the race because of the noise or because of the inability to have conversation like you might have at a basketball game or a football game with the guy sitting next to you, your buddy, or whatever. And so – they're thinking about making the cars quieter, not like battery-powered car quieter, not like your electric razor quieter. But is it going to be like as quiet as a street it's car? It's just probably going to go from like 120 or 115 decimals to maybe 90. Oh. Nothing crazy. So they run, I mean, there's only so much you can do to, uh, you know. Make that engine A V8 350, yeah. So we have, uh, I've ran mufflers before. There were um, some racetracks when we raced late models require mufflers. If you went to race at Tri-County Motor Speedway or somewhere somewhere like that, you'd have to put the muffler on the car. So we had a muffler ready to go, ready to bolt on. Is that because they had like a noise ordinance or yes. something? Yes. Okay. So it had to meet a certain amount of decimals or you couldn't race. So anyways, and it was, you you couldn't tell the difference between 90 decimals right. or 110. I, was, I think people are envisioning it sounding like a street car and you're just going to hear the wind go by. Yeah. So you got 40 cars at Daytona. It's not going to be like that. So, but it was fun to listen the, the to everybody. Re- oh my gosh! Go ape shit. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty. It was worse than the playoff points. Maybe. Oh man! And the new stages. Yeah. So, anyways, don't be too concerned about this, folks. NASCAR's not going to sissy up the. You know what will Fox do with the crank it up segment? They're gonna crank it down, man. <laughs> it's a new. They're gonna crank it down a, for it, a lap. It's what the new people want. They yeah. said people at. Um, All right, everybody. Lap 10, we're going to mute mute the television. <laughs> yeah. All right, so 
I think people could calm down. It's not going to be that big of a change. But, boy, is it funny when NASCAR news leaks out. So, anyways, we're going to get to our Periscope, Periscope Live. We're going to do these uh, Ask Junior questions live with Mike Davis. What's up, everybody, on Periscope? We're going to get going. Dale Jr. and Tyler Overstreet are in here. Let's start off with some questions right now. There was a really good one that came through. Who's your cheese head? Ask, what bothers you more, driver issues or car owner issues? Driver issues or car owner issues? As in, like, being an owner at Junior Motorsports? That's right. right. What, what, Problems what, with my drivers? No, no, no. Like, what causes you more anxiety? Is it uh, your issues as a driver or issues as an owner? I don't really have to. Uh, I, the issues as a driver, I feel, I put so much pressure on myself as a driver. So those are probably harder to deal with. Here at the, you know, Junior Motorsports has ran so smoothly with Kelly and, and you and all the folks here that I don't have to carry the entire load. But, man, when it comes to driver issues, I feel so responsible. So yeah. It's probably a little more challenging being, you know, dealing with those driver problems. He didn't include me in the uh, well, handling issues at Junior Motorsports. Well, you know. Well, I, you know, the, the better question may be what's bigger issue? Is it driver issues or PR issues? Probably, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and We've you got would say, the best PR rep in the Cup Series. Oh, is that what you got? Yeah, oh, I, not, not me. you. Not yeah, <laughs> not Tiff Daniels. Gotcha. Gotcha. Tiff. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so, Berlin Dragon asked, do you have any time for enjoying Vegas during race weekend? If so, what do you enjoy doing in Vegas? Well, obviously, the, the hotels are awesome. A lot of great uh, restaurants. You know, you're going to get top in. If you're going to sushi places, you're going to get some of the best sushi you ever ate. Um, Nobu. Nobu, places like that. We love, we're big sushi fans, me and Tyler. Um, I'd eat it every day for lunch and dinner, but Amy won't. So uh, you get to go to some pretty cool clubs if you're in town uh, after the race, maybe Sunday night, some good bars and restaurants and stuff like that. I really enjoy that part. I'm uh, not much about uh, doing the shows or the concerts, but I will go with Amy. We saw Reba and Brooks and Dunn, which was great. Um, a couple of shows, been, been to see Carrot Topic a few times, which is always fun. And uh, exhibits, all the exhibits and stuff. Like the, they had, uh, they have several. There'll always be some kind of odd exhibit uh, in town that's going to be there just for a few months. So you feel like you have to go see. Um, those are pretty fun. The track's great. Um, otherwise, yeah, that's it. Tyler, any plans? Uh, I've got no plans. We're not staying on the strip this year. You're not. No. Wait. There's some sort of construction convention. And they booted us out of the Aria, apparently. So we're we're like Lake Las Vegas. I don't know <laughs> what that means. I didn't know there was a lake in Vegas. Yeah, uh, we're we're actually uh, most years we stay on on the West Coast for the whole swing. So we'll come into uh, Vegas early. And we'll stay we'll stay through Vegas right you know, and run the race. Uh, we'll drive uh, to Phoenix and then you know stay through uh, Fontana for the whole month, pretty much. But this particular year, we're going back and forth because of scheduling issues or conflicts that we have. We have stuff back here to do, but uh, usually we stay in, uh, stay out west for the entire trip and make a, you know, we would go to the Grand Canyon or do things like that. Uh, I don't recommend that. I yeah, <laughs> it's the longest it's one, day ever. Well, it's 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 a bucket list thing you kind of have to do, but yeah, it's a bit out of the way when you're driving to Phoenix, uh, especially if you're hungover from Vegas. There you go. Where are we? I was 
<laughs> and if you don't remember, Tyler, yeah. I would so, go so far as to say you might yeah, have been too. Probably. <laughs> Dale Jr. eight six three zero ask Hans device roof flaps COT Gen six soft walls. Is it time for the restrictor plates to go? Oh well, I would love to. Uh, I would love for the cars to go faster at Daytona and Talladega. Uh, but I'm not sure exactly how much faster. I don't know whether we need to run. Uh, I think without without a plate, you're going to run 230 miles an hour. Can you build a tire that can actually withstand the loads and forces that it'll see at those particular tracks? That'll you know a tire that will that will last. It'd be very very difficult for Goodyear to do. But I remember in 2004 uh, driving at Daytona and actually having to lift in the corner because of the way the car was handling. Even running toward the front in the in the qualifying races in the Daytona 500, having to come off the throttle uh, and actually, you know, just driving the car, uh, which was so much fun. Much more fun than the way it is now. Now it's going that way. We're getting to where uh, the surface is starting to age, the cars are starting to handle. Handling is becoming much more of a factor, so you have to be able to dial your car in and uh, so we're heading in that direction, but man, uh, the speed would make the cars more challenging to drive. It would force the cars to, to handle more poorly, for lack of a better way to describe it, uh, in the corners, which is something I think all the drivers want. The, the drivers like the cars to drive poorly because they feel that as a driver, they're the best and that they're going to outdrive everyone around them. Somebody, I, I didn't see who it was asking, but somebody asked, do you wear the wedding ring during the race? Actually, I haven't, uh, I wore it in practice a little bit, but I haven't wore uh, the ring in the race. I, I have a Kalo ring, a lot of Kalo rings, and they're rubber, so pretty uh, comfortable. Um, I've, I've worn it in practice, but yeah, I took it off for the race just in case uh, it gets uncomfortable. It'd be kind of hard to take off underneath the glove and all that. I could probably do it under caution, but. I think I'll get to a point where I do, but I don't wear them just yet. Tyler, I, I know your job is tough and all, but when you get married next year, you don't have any excuses. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, wear, I'll wear the ring. During the race. During the race. <laughs> It'll be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> the circumstances will be tough, but I'll, I'll make it happen. There you go. Let's just ask this. What is a driver's biggest pet peeve? I think um, – Other drivers? <laughs> yeah. I mean, other drivers and how you get raced on the racetrack. That's it. You know, you, you – uh, it's just like, uh, you know, when somebody does something on the highway that you think is stupid, they might not know that they've done something that you didn't like. They're just trying to get to wherever they're going. But people will do things, and you're just like, why did you do that? You know, why are you putting me in this situation? And that's how drivers are. We're out on the racetrack, and somebody might cut you off or do something on a restart that, that, that cost you a lot of spots, cost them a lot of spots or whatever. And you're like, God, what in the hell are you thinking? Uh, getting flipped off. Nobody wants to get flipped off. For whatever reason, we can do we can wreck each other, and, and that might not be as bad as being flipped off. Just simply uh, shoot somebody at the burk and make a guy come unglued. Uh, My pet peeve is um, debris cautions after in the middle of green flag pit stops. Yeah, I think that's a great that's a great point to bring up. That's probably my number one pet peeve is uh, unnecessary cautions. So you'll see. In some parts of the race, a uh, car might bullet be smoking, and they let him, you know, go on to pit road, no caution.
But if it's 20 to go and that car's smoking, boy, that yellow's coming out because we're going to get us a dang restart. Did you notice the other day they let the first two stages just go like boom, boom, boom? And as soon as they got to the third, like longer stage, they're like, oh, debris caution. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't really paying much attention with all the issues we had going on. But <laughs> as a fan, <laughs> I was like, what? what the hell? As a fan, I'm interested to know, you know, what folks think about, you know, the, those type of yellows. You know, you'll see, and I've seen people comment on Twitter and social media about it, like, They'll compare one caution that's similar to another that did, you know, one issue on the track, I guess, that's similar that one brought a caution out and one didn't. So uh, it's it seems like if it's if it's if it if it's easy and beneficial to the race, if it you know, because a caution with ten to go is ramping up the intensity. So if it's almost like anything that brings out an opportunity to throw a caution late in the race, they're going to take it. But if it's lap ten in the race. And this guy can get safely to pit road with no problem. Might not see that yellow. Couldn't there just be debris out there that needs to be addressed? Are you? I think no. No. I don't know. Mike Davis worked for NASCAR. Yeah, over Mike, here. Mike Davis, NASCAR official. <laughs> I'm just saying. What if there's just debris that needs to be picked up? I don't know. I'm not watching the races, so I don't get to see this debris. I hear you. You know, and TJ will say there. TJ will tell me a lot of times they think there's debris in turn four, and I'll actually have a couple times to go through there before the caution comes out to actually go, hmm, I don't see anything. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. There's been a few times when they have thrown the yellow, and I've raised hell on my radio, and I've been called to the truck so Mike Kelton could tell me about the debris that was on the track, and that is not any fun. You'd just rather hear it from TJ, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'm just going to take <laughs> TJ's word for it. <laughs> what, if it what if they hear this podcast and call you to the truck on Friday? Uh, we'll have a lot of time to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Friday's a pretty easy day. It means we got to listen out of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> We're reaching the right demographic. A couple questions on this. What is the picture behind you right now, Dale? Explain this picture? This. Yeah. This is a mural of our property out at Dirty Mo Acres. Uh, this is the old dirt track that we used to run the go-karts at. We seeded it. It's grass now. Um, this fence here is the, in, this is the interior where the uh, buffalo hang out. We got the uh, 76 ball that came from turn three and four at Talladega when they went away from 76 Unical fuel to Sunoco. Those all came down. The the, uh, the MRN uh, radio guys would be up in there and doing their show, doing the race from that particular vantage point. So Amy did most of the decorating in here, did a great job. She sure did. There was uh, one question that uh, I, I saw. If you could, uh, This comes from Luke8858. If you could play football, what position would you play? I kind of wanted to pose that to to not only myself, but Tyler, because Tyler's such a big Panthers fan. I know you're also an Alabama fan, too, Mike, so you can weigh in on this. Tyler, what, what position would you play? I'd probably play tight end. Tight end? Yeah. Why? Because I'm slow. <laughs> what the world? <laughs> can you catch? <laughs> I would like to think I can. I think, yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm just wondering, how, well, you'd have to have good hands. Are you blocking tight end or catching tight end? I'm a catching tight end. Okay. I would model my game after Greg Olson. He's oh, the best. take a lot of modeling. <laughs> Boy, he's, well, I like it. Yeah, Greg Olson's an awesome guy uh, to to pattern your game after. One of the best tight ends. I think. Who would? What position would you play? Uh, well, I always say safety because they sort of get the freelance. Yeah, I would have a hard. Obviously, going, you know, I'd have a hard time picking up the playbook and understanding all the. There's, so, it seems like there's so much to know. Right. Right. Especially like, like run coverages a, it, and pass coverages. Yeah, it's like an engineer. Like yeah. everybody has to be this 
highly intelligent and you got to know so much about the playbook and you got to be able to read the offense, not only know the playbook, but see what's happening on the field. And I think, I'm just guessing, don't know nothing about football. Uh, but I think that being able to, you know, be a safety, you can kind of freelance and, th- you know, play outside the – Maybe get away with a little more. Yeah, just not have to be so perfect on knowing you – know. I wouldn't want to be a corner because you are susceptible safe, for – Yeah, to I, I don't want to be corner because I can't probably – I'm probably terrible at man-to-man. Now, yeah. zone seems you know, I, 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 I can stay in this bubble. Yeah, I can do that. I don't think it's as easy <laughs> as <laughs> He's just roll up, just running around. Hey, they come to me. Play I a lot it. of Madden. I think I could play safety. Just saying. Mm. <laughs> Anyways, Mike Davis, you big Alabama fan. You don't like any NFL. No, that's weird. Isn't that weird? There's Alabama guys on every NFL team. I know it. So yeah. except for the Panthers. But he doesn't watch. He's such a damn diehard Bama fan, but watches not a stitch of NFL. What position would you play? See, I look at it differently. I would play cornerback only because. You can get burned like five times in a row, but that one play where you knock it down gives you enough uh, ammo to talk shit the entire rest of the quarter at least. So, like, I can get burned, and that happens, but then when I knock it down, I'll be like, who's your daddy, man? i line up across the guy and talk smack because they don't care. Yeah. They can talk. They don't need reasons. They just talk smack, and I feel like I could talk that game even if I get burned. Yeah. See? Great point. So. All right. He'd probably be a zone corner, though. <laughs> oh, I'm not fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Anyways, there's our Periscope. Appreciate everybody that tuned in live on Periscope. Obviously, uh, everybody listening to the podcast, thanks a lot for sending your questions to uh, for me and Tyler Vet on Twitter at hashtag AskJunior, uh, and make sure you keep those coming for next week's podcast. Looking ahead. Tuesday, we already did a quick uh, photo shoot today with Michael Annette and our new partners at Pilot Flying J. That was cool. It was a lot of fun. They have a uh, additional partner in that program that I think people are going to be pretty excited about. A little bit of a throwback we'll announce here in a bit. Yeah. That's, yep. keep, keep your eye out for that on uh, all the JR Motorsports social media handles. Friday, we really got nothing else going on Wednesday and Thursday. Actually, uh, my trainer from HMS, Jamie, uh, he's coming out to the house Wednesday. We're going to do a workout. I'm also receiving uh, the shipment of my Peloton bike. And your Bowflex should be my there Bowflex soon. My Bowflex stuff should be showing up. Uh, so anyways, Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to try to do some workouts and uh, take a few days to just hang out. Friday, we'll fly out to Vegas in the morning. We have practice and qualifying. What time's practice? Uh, it's 11 o'clock Vegas time, so 2 yeah. o'clock Eastern. So we're flying on out there uh, in the morning to do all that. Saturday, two practices. we got a morning practice, huh? Yes. Dang. See, this past week at Atlanta, we only had one Saturday practice. So it was an hour and 20 minutes. That was perfect. It was 31 degrees at 8 o'clock in the morning in Atlanta. If we had practiced at 9 o'clock, it would been 35 degrees. There's no point in doing that. It's ridiculous. You can't the, – the car the, – there's – the car's nothing – the track, the car, nothing is like what the race is going to be like as far as track temp, ambient temp. So you don't learn anything. So we do a lot of changes to try to make the car drive well. And then in the last practice around noon, we undo all that stuff. I think they're going back to the two practices. That sucks. So anyways, two practices Saturday. Damn it. Uh, we got the Xfinity race at 4 p.m. 
on Fox Sports 1. Is that 4 p.m. Eastern? Eastern. All right. Yeah. So tune in to Fox Sports 1 for the Xfinity race. we got four cars in that particular race, right? Yep. Uh, there are only five cars in four events this year for Junior Motorsports, and one's already happened yep. at Daytona. Casey Kane at Talladega. Casey Kane at Talladega, and then me at the second Richmond and the second Bristol. Otherwise, yep. we got our full time four car team racing every other weekend. They're one two in points right now. Are they? That's great. Elliot Saller, man, so consistent. He understand you know, with his his he's a veteran man. He knows the points deal. Race is real smart. Sunday, the race starts at three thirty PM on Fox Eastern. This is a good track for you. Is it? Six straight top ten finishes. Oh my. Yeah, that's pretty solid. That is pretty good. I had no idea. There you go. Uh, four top fives, ten top tens, and 17 starts. That's not really that impressive, though. But we've been doing well here lately. Uh, You've done a lot better since they added that banking. Yeah. Your stats may have been skewed by the original Did layout. you see the stat this past week? Speaking of stats real quick, that only like what 7% of all the drivers – yeah. In NASCAR have won a race. Only 7%. There's only like 180 total have won a race. Have won a race of the, what, thousands? or Thousands, how? yeah. So 7%. That's pretty crazy. That have ever started a race have only uh, have won. And you've won 26. And in the, last, yeah, in the last 150, I think only 10 drivers have won. Or last 100 or 150 events, there's only 10 drivers that have won those events. Damn. Yeah, I think uh, Brad's up there with 12 or 14. Jimmy's got the same amount. Kyle, Kyle's Harvick. 10 or so, Harvick. Uh, we got seven. Hey, man, we're yeah. in there. Uh, anyways, appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for uh, all the folks that showed up today to the gift shop. Hope you guys enjoyed listening in. Thanks to Exalta, as always. They make it happen. We're in the Exalta studio at Dirty Mo Radio. We record every Tuesday morning. So 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock, Pretty much typically. 9 o'clock. So if you want to show up, get an autograph, get a picture, listen to the show. we got a couple chairs. Be sure to subscribe to the Dale Jr. Download through DaleJr.com. You can also find it at iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and all the major podcasting outlets. And as always, let us know your feedback on Twitter, at Dale Jr., at Overstreet Tyler, and at Dirty Mo Radio. Also check out Dirty Mo Radio's Facebook page. Make sure you send in those questions each week. Absolutely. Send in good questions. Hashtag Ask Junior. Hashtag Ask Junior. And uh, be sure to make sure you tune into the Periscope as well to be able to watch the Q&A segment. Anyways, hope you enjoyed the uh, podcast this week. We'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio. Hey, Mike. So as we're sitting here in the newly renovated Exalta studio, let's talk Exalta. First of all, this studio is awesome, is it not? Oh, my gosh. It's huge. It's I love it. It's amazing. Yeah, we are very appreciative of that. But uh, Exalta's everywhere. I mean, we just left Daytona. Thousands of people went into their seats through the Exalta injector. I myself, I'm going to brag a little bit here, <laughs> but I actually watched the duels from the Exalta suite. It was fabulous. Uh, you know, Exalta is a co-primary on Dale Jr.'s car. That car, you will never miss it. It is so bright, colorful. It's amazing. Uh, and it's going to run at Phoenix. But, yeah, Exalta is everywhere. They are really big supporters of our digital platform and our race teams. We didn't even mention the fact that Exalta is going to be sponsoring William Byron. That announcement came out this week. And they have a brand-new building that they just built right next to Hendrick Motorsports. I've had the privilege to see the outside. 
Now I'm really excited to go and take a tour of the inside. It's absolutely incredible just what they've been doing. Totally. So we appreciate Exalta. How can we follow them on social? You can follow them at Exalta Racing on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.